the Noon Report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. March Madness. Good afternoon. Spring arrives in just 10 days, but you wouldn't know it today. Snow stretching from the Midwest to New England, creating slippery driving conditions out there. A winter storm warning. In effect, Chautauqua County, which is ground zero for this latest snow event. Many schools in the northern tier closing early today. Meteorologist Dylan Dreyer. As we go through the day, snow will spread through New York State, through Pennsylvania. Still not looking at blockbuster snowfall totals here. I mean, maybe two to four inches. The higher elevations through western Pennsylvania and through western New York State, that's where we could see about four to six inches. An even bigger storm is possible next week. That one could blow up into a nor'easter. If you're looking for a job, do not despair. The February jobs report went public today. It was stronger than expected. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. What we're seeing here is a continued, very strong, strong labor market, putting Americans back to work. Employers adding 311,000 new jobs to their payrolls last month. Stuart Varney with Fox Business. If you think we're going to go into recession, this strong jobs number will talk you out of it. It does not look like we're heading towards recession when you've got 300,000 new jobs created in one month. The overall unemployment rate ticked up to 3.6%, and an overheated labor market could trigger the Fed to raise interest rates later this month. President Biden's nearly $7 trillion budget proposal includes the highest income tax hike in 40 years. House Speaker McCarthy says the White House has a spending addiction. It's not a revenue problem. It's a spending. And what does this budget do? Raise more taxes, spends more money, creates probably the biggest government we've ever seen in the history of the United States. Texas Senator Ted Cruz says the Biden budget will balloon the deficit to $50 trillion by the start of the next decade. They want to spend money they don't have. They want to raise taxes on you. They've unleashed record inflation. And their view is they can just keep printing money. The president has hinted he is willing to negotiate with Republicans over the massive spending plan. A disturbing discovery about train derailments at Norfolk Southern. Correspondent Jesse Kirsch says loose wheels are a real problem for that rail company. We've learned of what Norfolk Southern is calling an urgent safety issue saying that while cleaning up the derailment in Springfield, Ohio on Sunday, it discovered a specific group of rail cars, a specific type of rail car that had loose wheels, an issue that could cause a derailment. The company says after finding multiple issues of unusual wheel movement with these cars, it has removed them from service for repair. A number of recent train derailments, including that big one last month in East Palestine, Ohio, are blamed on faulty wheel bearings. The Mexican drug cartel behind the brazen kidnapping of four Americans last week has apologized. It left a note saying the gunmen responsible were not acting on the orders from cartel leadership. Arizona Sheriff Mark Lamb says the cartels are benefiting from the Biden administration's open borders policy. They just feel emboldened and now they just feel they can write a note and say we're sorry and it's going to go away. I don't think so. 
The cartel claims to have turned over the gunmen to Mexican police. A photograph of five men lying face down on the pavement accompanied that apology letter. Six are dead, including an unborn child. Following a mass shooting today at a church for Jehovah's Witnesses in Hamburg, Germany, the gunmen included among the dead. German officials confirmed that the shooter was a 35-year-old man, a former member of the Jehovah's Witness congregation that he targeted with no criminal record. Holly Williams reporting the race is on for 2024. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis in Iowa today, one of the key nominating states in next year's presidential election. We really served as the promised land. We're the fastest growing state in the country. We've led the nation in net in migration uh, the last four years, and we've had more wealth move into Florida over the last few years than has ever moved into a single state in all of American history. Reporter Dasha Burns has more from Davenport, Iowa. This stop is largely a part of his tour promoting his new memoir, which is a playbook of Florida policies that he calls a blueprint for America's revival. It's been a vehicle for his message. And the book, by the way, is topping the New York Times bestseller list and is beating out books from Trump and Obama in his first week of sales. Trump will be in the Hawkeye State next week. No U.S. president has ever been indicted, but that could change with Donald Trump. Manhattan prosecutors have signaled to Donald Trump's lawyers he could face indictment for an alleged hush money payment he made to adult film star Stormy Daniels in 2016 when he was first running for president. Correspondent Scott McFarland, Trump calls the charges without merit. Now to China, where the National People's Congress in Beijing today gave their communist leader Xi Jinping a third five-year term as president. She recently eliminated a two-term limit for heads of state from China's constitution. A TV and film star with a controversial past has just died. You know there was a time once when we almost had it made. Emmy-winning actor Robert Blake played a killer in the 1967 classic In Cold Blood, but had a real-life murder to deal with later on. Blake's career never recovered after he was accused of killing his wife. He was found not guilty in his criminal trial, but a civil trial found him liable in his wife's death. He was ordered to pay her family $30 million. Steve Futterman in Los Angeles. Robert Blake was 89. Could it be we're not as smart as we think we are? Reporter Stacy Lynn. New research in the journal Intelligence shows IQ scores are on the decline. The scientists say this might suggest that either the caliber of education has decreased or there's been a shift in the perceived value of certain cognitive skills. Still to come on the noon report for a Friday spring forward this weekend. Solution to the teacher shortage problem and firefighter funeral in Buffalo. Good afternoon. I'm Kevin Williams tracking a midsize storm system that promises accumulating snow for the next 24 hours. Forecast details are up in 10. All right, Kevin, we will see you then. Thank you. Let's check the stories making news where you live. Thousands of firefighters from across the country are in Buffalo today for the funeral of one of their own. Thirty-seven-year-old Jason Arno eulogized at St. Joseph's Cathedral after being killed in the line of duty last week while battling a four-alarm blaze in the city. The Reverend Michael William Fisher presided over today's funeral. In the waters of baptism, Jason died with Christ and rose with him to new life. May he now share with him eternal glory. 
Arno's final resting place will be Forest Lawn Cemetery. He leaves behind a wife he had just married last summer and a three-year-old daughter. New York's governor and attorney general are calling on major pharmacy chains to dispense abortifacients. The pressure on Walgreens, Rite Aid, and CVS comes nearly a week after Walgreens said it would not dispense abortion drugs in 21 states, including some where abortion is legal. Medication abortion, which is used in more than half of all procedures nationwide, is in question right now as a Texas judge weighs issuing a ban on one of those drugs. Hochul and James are asking the pharmacies to respond within 10 business days, either confirming they will distribute the drugs or explaining a legal rationale for not doing so. Jeremy Miller, Family Life News. All right, Jeremy, thank you for that. Free at last in Brooklyn, New York. Sheldon Thomas got to walk out of prison yesterday, a free man, after serving 18 years for a crime he did not commit. To the detectives, prosecutors, and judge who mistakenly put him behind bars, Thomas says he forgives them. It was 18 years ago when Thomas was convicted of the murder of a 14-year-old in Flatbush based on a mistaken photo ID. A shooting witness picked a different Sheldon Thomas in a photo array. Detectives arrested this one instead, and questions were swept under the rug. He went in as a 17-year-old boy. He's nearly 36 years old today. Brooklyn DA Eric Gonzalez says lessons have been learned. I apologized uh, for the role that my office has played in his incarceration. That report from Steve Burns in Brooklyn today. Legislation pending in Pennsylvania would allow immigrants to teach in an attempt to alleviate the statewide teacher shortage problem. This critical teacher shortage, and everybody is so aware of it, this might be an idea whose time has come. Berks County Democratic Senator Judy Schwenk. Why would we not want to have them enter our workforce and be a part of helping to move the Commonwealth forward. Schwenk says in the heart of her district, Reading, Pennsylvania, 70% of the population is Latino. There's so many of them that have dreams of being successful in this country, and many of them want to be educators as well. State-issued teaching certificates have dropped 70% the past decade in Pennsylvania. Schwenk's measure faces an uncertain future in the Senate. Time to spring forward. Forward this weekend, the time change means an hour less sleep for you. That can disrupt your circadian rhythm and lead to negative side effects. Sleep researcher Dr. Heinrich Gump. So not exactly full-blown depression, but for the you know couple of weeks after the switch over to savings time, actually almost you know somewhere between a quarter and a third of the population feels a little down. Daylight savings begins 2 a.m. Sunday. Firefighters encourage you to mark the time change by changing the batteries in your smoke detectors. Pennsylvania is giving away two free carbon monoxide detectors to certified child care providers. It's because of a leak last fall that sickened children and adults at a daycare facility in Allentown. We get more in this report from Terry Diener. Carbon monoxide detectors are currently not required for child care centers in Pennsylvania, despite repeated efforts by state lawmakers 
years to change that. On Thursday, the Pennsylvania Department of Human Services announced certified child care providers were sent a promotional code to purchase one or two carbon monoxide detectors. Those detectors are being paid for with federal child care funding and will be available through April the 30th. Terry Diener, Family Life News. All right, Terry, thank you very much. Even with the wintry weather on the way, New York's DEC will still be instituting a statewide spring brush-burning ban later this month. Starts Thursday, March 16th, and will run through May 14th. The annual brush-burning ban has been enforced by the DEC every year since 2009. Its aim is to prevent wildfires. Let's switch gears next. Talk sports with Family Life's Brandon Dixon. Good afternoon, Bob. We start with Syracuse University, which officially introduced its new men's basketball coach, Adrian Autry, this morning. Autry, a former player who's been an assistant at SU for over a decade, takes over for Hall of Famer Jim Beheim. ESPN analyst Jay Billis. Jim Beheim's legacy is one of the truly great strategists and innovators in the game's history. You can't mention a 2-3 zone without Jim Beheim coming up first. Beheim coached the Orange for 47 years and led them to over 1,000 wins and one national title. Sticking in men's college basketball, Niagara and Iona tip off at 6 p.m. in the MEAC semifinal, while Penn State takes on Northwestern at 6.30 this evening in the Big Ten tournament quarterfinal. Meanwhile, former New York Knick great Patrick Ewing has been fired as men's basketball coach at his alma mater, Georgetown. CBS's Rick Ackerman. They did make it to the NCAA tournament two years ago, stunning the Big East en route to winning the conference championship at the Garden. However, they wouldn't find any success again going 13-50 and 50 over the next two years. In Major League Baseball, the New York Yankees are falling like flies. The latest injury to prize pitching addition Carlos Rodon. Yankees GM Brian Cashman says Rodon strained his forearm and will have to wait at least 7 to 10 days before he can start throwing again. If this was obviously in season, pennant race, late in the game, he's still probably up and running going. He had this last May with the Giants. I didn't miss any time with it. Rodon joins Yankees pitchers Frankie Montas, Lou Trevino, Scott Efros, and Tommy Canely all on the IL to start the season. And former NBA All-Star Sean Kemp will not face immediate charges after he was booked on a drive-by shooting charge Wednesday evening stemming from an incident in Tacoma, Washington. His attorney says Kemp's vehicle was broken into and when he went to retrieve his stolen iPhone, individuals shot at him and he returned fire in self-defense. That's a look at sports. All right, Brandon, thank you very much. Filling in for Randy today. Still to come on the Noon Report for a Friday. Back-to-back storms headed our way. Kevin Williams is on the way. The 99-year-old Holocaust survivor and mall walker in western New York. And in four minutes, we're going to dig deep on the issues in the news from Albany and Harrisburg. It's Capital Connection right after this. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. In 1935, Portuguese neuroscientist Dr. Igaz Moniz pioneered a new procedure to treat symptoms of psychiatric illness. Using a thin instrument, a surgeon could sever the delicate neural connections between the frontal lobe and other parts of the brain. The procedure resulted in significant changes to the patient's behavior. Despite a mixed reception by the medical community, Moniz received a Nobel Prize in 1949. 
In the ensuing decades, the practice of transorbital lobotomies was championed by American psychiatrist Dr. Walter Freeman. He operated on over 4,000 patients and remained a fierce advocate for the procedure long after it fell into disrepute. While some patients did seem to be cured of their psychiatric distress, the main effect of lobotomies was the dismantling of the patient's personality. According to Freeman's own numbers, about 73% of his patients remained hospitalized for life or in a state of idle dependency, and another 5% just died during the operation. Recently in the Washington Post, columnist Megan McArdle pointed to the history of lobotomies as a cautionary tale. Quote, the first lesson Freeman offers the modern reader is not to rush past the point of no return, to move by inches rather than leaps when the stakes are high. Freeman and his partner lobotomized 20 people in their first four months. And with every operation, I suspect it became more necessary to believe in the good of them rather than admit you had killed one person and irreparably scarred the brains of 19 more to no good effect, end quote. Well, today, there's another kind of surgery increasingly being used in an attempt to fix psychological distress. Though, to be clear, the comparison isn't exact. Operating directly on the brain is categorically different from operating on the rest of the body. And those who seek help from so-called gender affirmation surgery do not typically think of their identity struggles in the same way as people who suffer from schizophrenia or manic depression. Likewise, lobotomies were never a centerpiece of a massive social movement. And most importantly, while Freeman's work involved a stripping away of autonomy, transgender-affirming medicine reinforces radical autonomy, unhinged from age restrictions, biology, morality, even the purpose of medicine itself. As Reuters reports, thousands of families are lining up today for so-called gender-affirming care, even as evidence mounts that hormone treatments and surgeries, especially for minors, has horrifying consequences. At the same time, all kinds of cultural voices continue to proclaim that the science is settled and to oppose this agenda is only bigotry. The stakes are high, and yet thousands continue to rush forward into irreversible damage. Well, today, some 70 years after Egas Moniz won the Nobel Prize for Medicine, we recoil at the damage done by the pseudo-medical science of lobotomies. But it doesn't seem like we've actually learned anything, certainly not the lessons we should have. Though brain surgery to cure patients of schizophrenia seems cruel and ridiculous today, we seem perfectly willing to operate on healthy bodies as if we can change them to align with a psychological disorder. But the most likely outcome of transgender surgeries will be broken and ruined lives, and it will become the cautionary tale that serves as a warning to future generations. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. Today's Breakpoint was co-authored by Casey Leander. For more resources to live like a Christian in this cultural moment, please visit colsoncenter.org. All right, John, thank you very much. Breakpoint, a regular part of the Family Life Noon Report. So too is this guy, Kevin Williams. Here is your Family Life weather forecast for this afternoon. Cloudy, snow overspreading the area this afternoon, mixed with rain initially for some, will continue tonight. And uh, several inches will accumulate across the area. The heaviest amounts, perhaps more than eight inches, in far southwest New York, amounts tapered north and south from there. High temperatures in the 30s, low tonight in the 20s. Tomorrow, brisk winds, occasional light snow and flurries, high temps 30s. Clouds limited sun on Sunday in the 30s. Snow mixed with rain returning to many areas Sunday night and Monday. All right, some weather to keep an eye on. Thank you, Kevin. It is Friday, folks, the 10th of March, and this is the Noon Report on Family Life.
and welcome back to another edition of Capital Connection. Fridays during the noon report, we give you direct connection to what's happening in Albany and Harrisburg with the experts on the issues at the state capitals. They are Jason McGuire with New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms and Michael Gear at the Pennsylvania Family Institute. Michael, I want to begin with you this week. Of course, the big news item was Governor Shapiro's $44.5 billion budget. He went public with that back on Tuesday. So many items in that uh, speech that we could talk about, but I just want you to decide for our listeners what you thought was the headline from the budget address. Well, and there were a number of them. Obviously, Governor Shapiro really wants to be President Shapiro, so he sort of struck a middle-of-the-road tone through most of it on the budget side of things. But then uh, at the end of it, he made sure to shore up his Democrat base, the progressive base, by talking about abortion, by talking about sexual orientation and gender identity and those things. Notable to us, though, on the education issue, uh, he said that he thinks that uh, we need to empower parents. And uh, from our perspective, the way to do that is to expand educational choice, and we're hoping that the governor will push something along those lines. But again, given who he's beholden to, we're not sure whether we'll see that. Yeah, we'll see if they can get it done. June 30th is the deadline, so the clock is ticking there. The clock is really ticking in Albany, Jason. Uh, Just a couple more weeks to go until the April 1st budget deadline. The price tag on that thing is north of $227 billion. Any roadblocks uh, do you see late in the game here as far as the budget adoption process goes? Yeah, there seems to be nothing but roadblocks uh, you know, ahead for this governor and, and what they're looking to do with the budget. It's always a hurry up and, and wait game for the budget. Nothing happens until it happens. And there are some issues that are holding it up. Uh, for example, the Castro's bail reform is still being negotiated. There are some um, housing uh, issues that are coming up as a part of this. So there's just lots of things. Everything's on the table and, until you know it's all done. Yeah, and, and the, it's the old three men in a room, and it's not three men anymore. It's two women and a man. Uh, is that still in, in play in Albany, the, the backdoor horse trading? Yeah, it very much is. I mean, I think something listeners need to be aware of is that while this is the state's fiscal plan, increasingly policy is finding its way into the budget because that's where the governor has the leverage. Whether or not she chooses to use it is what remains to be seen. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Michael, back to Harrisburg. Um, we've been talking about this reproductive health amendment for quite a while. It is taken on added urgency with the Democrats now controlling the Pennsylvania House. What is it? Why is it dangerous? Well, it's very dangerous in that what they're trying to do with this, and again, we're hoping it goes nowhere, and with the Republican Senate, uh, I think that will be the case. But what they're trying to do is to, they would say, codify uh, Roe versus Wade to restore uh, the situation under Roe versus Wade. But it's much more than that. It's a very expansive proposal that will allow abortion right up until birth and really no ability for the state legislature or the people to have restrictions on abortion or protections for women in those circumstances. Jason, there's more information on your website about this, but I thought it was interesting, a poll of uh, New Yorkers. You would think in deep blue New York this wouldn't be true, but a majority of them, and not a small majority, quite a large, overwhelming majority, support school choice in varying degrees. If that's true, why isn't there more of a concerted effort in Albany to expand school choice? Yeah, two words, the teachers' unions. 
uh, the teachers unions really block any school choice effort. You know, recently there was a uh, an account in a local media of where uh, a Democratic operative had referred to the teachers unions not as the 500-pound uh, gorilla in the room, but the two-ton Godzilla. And that's really uh, the strength that the teachers union movement has in Albany is it blocks any educational choice options. Yeah, uh, half a dozen House Democrats, Michael. Uh, I think this was last week put forth an assisted suicide bill. I think there's 10 states that allow it. Uh, these uh, Democrats want to make Pennsylvania number 11. Um, you have also talked about this on this program before. Why is assisted suicide bad medicine, and why should Christians reject it? Well, there's so many reasons uh, that could be listed here. We could talk for some time about why it is bad medicine. I think right off the bat, if you look at the piece of legislation that's been introduced, it talks about those who have a diagnosis that says they're going to die within six months. Now, I think, Bob, you've probably encountered people, and many of us have encountered people who say, you know, the doctor told me I only had six months to live, and here I am four years later. Yeah. And so we have that situation. We have people who are mentally ill or the disabled oftentimes that become targets of so-called physician-assisted suicide, targets for death by those who either don't want to spend the money or for other reasons, insurance companies and others pushing them towards death. Yeah, and you have said on this program too, Jason, before that uh, in states where assisted suicide is legal, overall suicide is much higher. Where is the assisted suicide effort today in Albany? You know, it's still sitting in the respective health committees in both the Senate and the Assembly. We hope it's going to stay there, but it is very much nip and tuck. It's on the edge, and I could see the bill advancing through committees if uh, voters are not speaking up with their legislators opposing assisted suicide in our state. Let's talk politics next, Michael. Florida's governor, Ron DeSantis, in a recent poll in Pennsylvania, actually beat Donald Trump, who is still today very popular in Pennsylvania, but not as popular as Ron DeSantis, uh, at least according to this poll. What do you think? Have Republicans in Pennsylvania moved past Trump? Well, there's some that have and some that haven't. I mean, as you said, uh, the, the former president is uh, certainly very popular here in Pennsylvania. Part of why there's popularity for the Florida governor is that he has been outspoken on a number of issues that are very concerning to families and parents, transgender issues in schools and uh, the vaccine mandates and all of the things that came with COVID. Uh, Pennsylvania was uh, subject to some very severe COVID restrictions and uh, looking to the South and how that governor handled that uh, made him somewhat of a hero to many Pennsylvanians. Yeah. Uh, Jason, uh, speaking of the transgender movement uh, in this country right now, there is legislation about using transgender language in state laws. That is advancing in Albany. With all the problems we have, why is this such a priority in the Hochul administration? Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting because I think we find that there is um, just certain sacred cows that, that people are bowing now before. And this is certainly one of them in Albany. This progressive movement is wrapping itself around the transgender language. This is dangerous language in that it literally changes the very definitions of these words and of the law to twist to whatever someone else perceives it to be. Uh, that's really problematic, and yet it seems to be the direction the New York State government is moving. Uh, Doug Mastriano making news this week. Uh, he is a name a lot of folks know uh, running for governor unsuccessfully last year. He may uh, try to run for U.S. Senate 
Is that a good idea, given how badly he was defeated in November? Well, I think people need to assess that. Senator Mastriano, who's been a friend to our ministry here at Pennsylvania Family Institute, ran a very unconventional campaign for governor. He uh, was able to win a very broad primary with a number of candidates in that race. But then when it turned to the general election, uh, both in terms of fundraising capability, but even just in terms of his refusal to speak to the media, etc., came in in a very poor showing. And uh, so what is going to be different this time around is something that people need to look at because there is a concern because the Senate majority in Washington, D.C. really hangs in the balance depending on who's elected here in Pennsylvania. Finally, the mayor of New York City said something kind of interesting earlier this month, Jason. Eric Adams took flack from members of his own party for this whole idea of separation of church and state. He pretty much downplayed that. I want to play the bite from the mayor and then get your reaction on the other side, uh, Jason. Take a listen. Don't tell me about no separation of church and state. State is the body. Church is the heart. You take the heart out of the body, the body dies. I can't separate my belief because I'm an elected official. The mayor there was uh, saying that the reason we have guns in school is because we've taken prayer out of school. Your thoughts on what the mayor said in that speech? Well, some fascinating comments, and frankly, progressives wanted no part of it. Uh, they, they really took him to task for indicating that he did not support a separation of church and state. I don't think that's what he meant, though. I think he was trying to imply that faith does influence us as individuals, even as public servants. And frankly, I think he's holding a position consistent with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who would indicate that the church is the conscience of the state. And, and I don't have a problem with what Mayor Adams said. That being said, listeners should be aware that while there were some tremendous statements he made, he does have some interesting worldviews that are not entirely Christian, but still it was a welcome statement. Yeah, all right. A little breath of fresh air in politics. Uh, hey, guys, we've been a lot of places this week. If you have questions about any of the topics you've heard on the program today, uh, Jason, you have a wonderful website there at New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms. Where can folks find you? AlbanyUpdate.com. Stay informed on all the issues as well in Pennsylvania. Fighting the good fight. The Pennsylvania Family Institute. Michael, where can folks find you? PAFamily.org. They get it done every week. Capital Connection comes your way Fridays during the noon report or online anytime at FamilyLife.org. Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. On the weather map, low pressure tracking east-northeastward from Ohio means accumulating snow across much of the area over the next 24 hours. A stronger storm bears watching for next week, early in the week. With the uh, northeast coast particularly impacted by what could be a true nor'easter, we'll keep you advised and apprised. But in the meantime, for this afternoon, cloudy. Snow overspreading the area this afternoon, mixed with rain initially for some, will continue tonight. And uh, several inches will accumulate across the area. The heaviest amounts, perhaps more than eight inches, in far southwest New York, amounts tapered north and south from there. High temperatures in the 30s, low tonight in the 20s. Tomorrow, brisk winds, occasional light snow and flurries, high temps 30s. Clouds limited sun on Sunday in the 30s. Snow mixed with rain returning to many areas Sunday night and Monday. All right, Kevin, very busy at the Weather Center. Thank you. Finally at noon, a 99-year-old Holocaust survivor has been walking the mall for 34 years. The Walden Galleria Mall in Cheektowaga, New York. Matt Laba walks that mall twice a day, six days a week, no exceptions. Family friend Louise Moscata is Laba's walking buddy. And he walks corner to corner of this mall. I can't walk with him. 
I can't even walk next to him. I gotta walk behind him. He's focused and he just does his thing. I need the exercise myself, so it's a win-win. He's so dedicated and determined inspiring. Lama immigrated to America from Poland after World War II. He spent much of the war in a Nazi concentration camp. His daughter, Suzanne, tells WGRZ. So my father was in Poland, him and his family, when the actual Blitzkrieg happened, when Germany invaded Poland. And my father, at a very young age, was taken to Germany into the work camps. And so he learned German while he was in the coal mines. And one day he decided to escape. <laughs> Laba worked for Ford after coming to America. That was back in 1956. The Buffalo region's been his home ever since. He was always the man that said, I have a family to provide for. I have to keep moving. I can't look back. Keep walking forward. And now the mall walkers become something of a local celebrity there at the Walden Gallery. One of my favorite lines my father has taught me is, you can walk forward and clear your head in peace, or you can walk in anger, which will get you nowhere. Matt Lava celebrated his 99th birthday yesterday, says he has no plans to slow down. Oh, I feel very, very good. I just keep on moving. Keep on moving. Lava says he likes to walk in a zigzag pattern because, and we're quoting him here, it really works the core. 99-year-old Holocaust survivor, Matt Laba. Keep on walking, sir. That's the world we live in Friday, the 10th of March. I'm Bob Price, Family Life News. You've been listening to the Noon Report, heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.